There's a therapist who used to work here at Thrive that I always really enjoyed talking shop with. She was one of those, you know, real tell it like it is kind of therapists. And I remember this one time being in a conversation with her about a client that I had sent her way. I used to work with this client and thought that this therapist would be a better fit, and so I sent her over. I asked for a little bit of an update on how their work was going. She told me that she had asked the client the other day, you know, what are we working on in here? And she responded with, well, I think just being less sad. And I love how she responded to this. She said, yeah, I don't think that works for me. It sounds like the client was kind of surprised that somebody would respond to them like this, especially their therapist. I mean, aren't the goals the client's goals, not necessarily your goals? Does it matter if they work for you? But the way she responded after that really tied it all together. She said, we're not going to work on the absence of something. We have to have something that we are working towards. And I've held that story dear as I've moved forward in my clinical work. I've realized that in order to do good therapy, we need to start with a clear set of values. We have to have something that we are moving towards. Most people come in because they are wanting to feel less anxious or less sad or less of some insert negative emotion here. And that's our topic for today, is having a clear sense of your values. And you might think, I know my values. Well, unless you can recite 10 of them off the top of your head, I'm not convinced. Welcome to Relatable, a Thrive Therapy podcast. My name is Coulter Bloxham, and I'm joined by my friends and co-workers, Lauren Mokeri and Kayla Gensler. We are three licensed professional counselors in Phoenix, Arizona, running what we call a therapy community that is named Thrive. We do individual therapy, group therapy, retreats, intensives, we do a lot of stuff. And we've got a new membership platform online that allows you to do some work in the comfort of your own home. And so this podcast is just an extension of all of that, giving you some new tools to better relate to yourself and better relate to other people in your life. And today we are going to be talking about values, which is one of my favorite topics. And I am curious for y'all ladies, like we're kind of at the beginning of the year. And so do you have some values that you kind of bring into the year to guide what you want 2024 to look like. I do. And I actually remember talking with you about this uh, a couple of weeks ago and hearing this idea of like doing a values inventory and reassessing that at the beginning of each year, um, which actually really did inspire me to kind of sit down and think through what are some of the values that I want at the top of my list in this current season of life. So I think that for me, coming into 2024, I've really been looking at some values around flexibility, like not needing everything to be a certain way, but being uh, able to... I needed that value yesterday. Yeah, to just go more with the flow. <laughs> I think in a season of uh, new parenting, that's like a prime thing I'm learning. So I'll put that at top of my list right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, it's funny, Lauren, because you, everybody, I think, would say that our personalities are relatively similar in in many ways, and so to hear you say flexibility kind of connects to the value that I'm, I think, 
most recently, and I would like to say always, working on, which is humility. So trying to get out of this headspace of having everything right in a certain way. And honestly, sometimes I get um, teased for being kind of a know-it-all. And so moving into a headspace more <laughs> of like, both, <laughs> other, I know, other people know things too. I'm not superior and that everybody has their place. And so that's kind of like the I think the one that's like the freshest on my mind. I'm really glad you're finally working on that. <laughs> <laughs> you and everyone else, yeah. Coulter. <laughs> I, that is a big one for me too. Like I've noticed myself in conversations in the past, just, gosh, it's like, I know something about everything, don't I? Someone's like, oh yeah, I'm new to Phoenix. And like, I'm dealing with the heat. And I'm like, here's the thing you have to do <laughs> when you get to Phoenix is you got to find the days that you can go out. And I was like, gosh, I've just got like, I've got something for everything, uh-huh. don't I? Uh-huh. Like, and it just, you're like, stop, get get off the stage. Stop yes. talking. It's a miracle that we can even get anything done on this podcast with the three of us in that same head frame, honestly. Gosh, I told a friend that, we were starting a podcast and I was about to make the joke of uh, that I've made so many times of what the world needs is another podcast with three people in their mid thirties. And, uh, but before I got the last part out, I said, you know, I figured what the world needs more of is, and she cut me off and she goes, you three talking. <laughs> it's, you know, some people want it. You know, people are like, <laughs> you know what? There are some people that want us. Uh, Thank want you us everyone talking. who's listening. <laughs> Yeah. So my, my uh, value for the year is being heard. And (laughs) (laughs) no, so I sat down and I did my values inventory. And so this is my plug for the values course on the Thrive membership. It is free. You don't have to pay anything for it. You just have to put your email in there and then you get it. And honestly, like it's, it's something I'm super passionate about. I think it's so helpful. And I'm committed to doing this every year, kind of this values inventory and doing it straight from the beginning, going through the list of values that I have on there, maybe adding some of my own and not just kind of pressing through and being like, yes, I know parenting is a value of mine. Yes. I know that family is a value of mine, whatever. Like, because if we do that, we're going to end up with a lot of things that are just like, oh, these are the things I probably should value. And so I really pushed myself to be really present and it was fun to see. I think that out of my top 10 values from last year, only five of them made the list for this next year. And this is not necessarily the one that I'm using as kind of like my guiding force of, you know, flexibility or humility. One of the ones that came up for me was craftsmanship that I'm feeling very excited about. And I was telling one of the therapists about that yesterday, just as I had finished hand grinding some coffee beans and making a pour over for myself in my office, because I felt like that kind of fit in to that word of doing things in a more craftsmanship type manner, like creating some more things for myself, like building things around my house. And so that's just kind of a small value that I've seen myself starting to live into a little bit more that I've really enjoyed already just a few weeks into the year. I love that word. I also want to just plug your values course because I love listening to you talk about values. I think that the course, it provides a lot of value. But one of the things I actually have heard clients say, whether in like individual therapy, or I probably hear it more in group therapy um, whenever we're talking about values, I'll hear clients who are like, oh, I've already done that. Like I mm-hmm. already you have, haven't. yeah, I already have my list of values. And sometimes it's like, I did it five years ago or I did it a year ago. Like it's very rare that someone's like, oh, I just did that last week or, you know, last month. And so I love that you're highlighting and in our conversation, we're kind of talking about this idea actually of being flexible with how we rank our values that depending on the stage of life, the season of life, what we have going on in different facets of life, our values are actually going to fluctuate. 
what you just said reminds me of something I've thought before, which is that our values are like our social security card. They're unique to you and you shouldn't laminate them. Mm, I like that idea. And, and Do you wait, know that you're not supposed to laminate your social security did card? Did you see me look at look up at the ceiling like, wait, is that a rule? It is, it mine's says, not laminated, but I don't think It says on your that. social security card, do not laminate this, which doesn't really make sense to me. Because Why? What is like the reasoning, do you think? I don't know. The that's, that's George Washington decided he didn't want us to when he <laughs> started <laughs> the country. Somebody Washington listening to this one. knows the answer and yes. they're like, come on, guys. I, yes. I, I don't know. I imagine, I, I don't know. Because it, it's some sort of official document that like needs to remain unaltered is, is my guess. Mm, interesting. Well, with it being you know, just fresh into 2024, it does feel like a, a quote-unquote right time to do a values inventory and to really figure out what we want to to drive us this year and to shift our focus into. And and I think it even just makes sense to back up a little bit and to help the listeners maybe who feel a little bit more confused or uncertain about this concept of values to just kind of outline what values are and what their purpose is and maybe kind of give a little bit of that information. So Coulter, I'm going to pivot that to you because I think that you do that the best. Yes, thank you. So I think the best place to start with values is almost kind of defining what they're not, which is usually not the best place for a definition, but in this case, I think it is. And so I like to talk about the difference between values and goals and how values and goals are different from each other. And that, you know, goals are great. Like I I set a lot of goals for myself, but one of the assertions that we make in acceptance and commitment therapy is that living a values-driven life is better than a goals-driven life. And so my analogy that I like to use for this is I think of a goal being like a specific thing that you want to accomplish. Like it's a quantifiable thing. It's objective. A scientist could write it down and say like this happened or it didn't happen. Like I want to go to Portugal this year or something like that's a goal. And I think of it like being our office, let's say. So like the three of us are at the office recording the podcast. It's just a specific place. You're either at it or you're not. Whereas a value is like a cardinal direction. A value is like going west. And if you ask the question like, well, okay, well, when am I going to get west? Like you can never get there. You can never get west. You can only continue to go west. And if you go 100 miles east, you can just turn around and start going west in an instant. And so values are more of like the direction and the guiding forces for our life. They're not necessarily objective things. I think they can be observable and they can be seen, but they're not specific goals. So with that Portugal example, then that being the goal, would the value be something like travel or exploration? Adventure. Yeah, right. Newness. Uh-huh. And yeah. so we're kind of thinking about like, what is the thing that's driving the goal in that example? Yeah. And I think of having goals without having values is kind of like having destinations without directions, which is fine if you're going somewhere that you've been quite a few times before. But it would be like getting in your car, like you and I just went to a coffee shop for a networking event. It would be like getting in the car and, you know, being like, all right, we're going to go to this coffee shop. And you're like, where is it? I'm like, I don't know. You're like, is it south of the office? Is it north? I'm like, I don't know. I, we'll just we'll just kind of try to try to get there. Like you, have to, you have to look at the map, and you have mm. to have the GPS tell you where to go. You're so great at metaphors, Coulter. These actually are really helping me even kind of picture 
some of this values work in a new way. I think I I generally, when I talk about values in therapy work, talk about this idea of being values-led versus reactivity-led. And so thinking of that in terms of window of tolerance, like our uh, capacity to cope with different stressors, if we don't have a large enough threshold to really be able to keep our front brain online and like help us make decisions and think through things consciously, we end up a lot of times responding really impulsively in kind of those like fight, flight, freeze sort of ways. And so one of the things that I talk about as I guess a maybe a goal or an objective of therapy work is that we're wanting to expand that window of tolerance and what we hope to actually see is that we're able to be more values led that instead of having these impulsive reactions like I want coffee so I'm just going to get in the car and start driving until I find a coffee shop that we are able to be more calculated and more I use this word choiceful which I still to this day, don't know if that's a real word or not, but <laughs> someday you'll look it up. Someday I'll look it up. Yeah. But yeah, we can be more choiceful. And so I think I really like this like direction metaphor of, okay, if I know that I want coffee, can I slow down and actually pull up Google maps and look at like, what are the options around me? How far do I want to drive? How much time do I have? Like what type of coffee do I want? And now I can really make a choice instead of just driving around and finding the first place that I see. Or have I already had four cups of coffee today? Right. Do I really need a cup of coffee right now? Mm -hmm. Is that in line with my values? Am I like transgressing another one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, even in what you're just describing, Lauren, I always think of values as a way to discern and help us make decisions. And so like with that example of, you know, I want coffee and then the values behind that are going to help us make that decision on where to go because it might be, do I value efficiency? I only have, you know, a small amount of time. And so therefore I need to go to Starbucks that we can all walk to because it's a five minute walk down the road. Or is the value newness. And so I want to a novelty, right? So I want to go and I want to try a coffee shop that I've never been to before or a coffee that I've never had, right? And I think even in that like that small example of the goal being I want to get coffee, values really help us discern the way and the in the the map to get to that point. Yeah. I'm even thinking it brings us full circle to Coulter's value of craftsmanship, right? If that's yeah. the value he's leaning into, he's coming into his office and doing the pour over. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting specialty coffee. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And values really help us get to know ourselves because as a relationship therapist, the thing that we're always trying to do is understand ourselves better. And so when we make a decision or we engage in something and we're like, wow, why did I do that? And we're sort of like heavy on ourselves or more critical. If we can be really aware of what the values are, sometimes that gives us answers to the choices that we've made Mm -hmm. and helps us to better understand the why behind why we do certain things or why we say certain things as well. So as we're talking a little bit about getting to know ourselves better. I have curiosity around the values that you guys have found that really kind of define you, that are maybe like the core values that um, you know are in there for yourselves. Lauren, what what comes up for you? Well, I'm smiling actually because I just love that question. I think that in a lot of therapy work, a common theme that I see come up is this idea of knowing ourselves Mm -hmm. and being able to differentiate what is it like to be me versus what is it like to be someone else. And even something I hear clients say a lot when we're talking about values is like sometimes I have a hard time discerning what are the values that are actually mine versus values that other people are trying to impose on me or that other people have given to me. So 
I think in doing some of that work for myself, I have slowed down and really looked at what are some of the patterns maybe that I behave in on a consistent basis and then have kind of tried to reverse engineer to look at like what are the values that are driving those patterns. So if I see a pattern of perfectionism or I see a pattern of um, really striving for high achievement, um, slowing that down and looking at like, okay, to me, I think I really value things being high quality. Like I really value if something could be a little bit better, I want to lean into that. I I just like things being good and being sort of like the best that they can be. I also think that relational intimacy is like a really, really strong value. And when I think of kind of how this links together, like I don't necessarily want things to be better just for the sake of being better. Like I don't need every drawer to be perfectly organized just because it could be. It's like I want things to be better specifically when they serve relational intimacy, when they make people feel more connected and more supported in whatever it is that's going on in the context. That idea of reverse engineering mm-hmm. is really profound to me, and it mm-hmm. actually shifts what I was going to say. Years ago, I was on another podcast. I was a guest on a friend's podcast, and she's just interviewing on me on mental health. And we finished recording, and you know, she stopped the recording, and she looked at me, and she said, "You are so compelling." And I'm wow, telling Coulter. you, it was <laughs> it was the greatest thing anyone has ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember feeling this sense of like, I want to be that. Mm. I want to be compelling. And I started like looking for opportunities of like, how can I be seen as compelling by other people? And kind of recognizing like, is that really the value? Like, I want people to see me as compelling. Like, that's not, I don't like that. Like, that's, and so what's kind of driving that? And I think there's, I was trying to pinpoint and reverse engineer that of like, what's driving that? Mm-hmm. And, and I think intimacy is the piece is like, I want to exist in those places with people and having deep conversation and having vulnerable experiences. And so it doesn't necessarily come from a place of like, I want someone to hear my story and say, dang, that was really compelling. It's really that I want to be able to connect with people in deep spaces. And so as I kind of am reverse engineering that in the moment, and I think I've been doing some of that work for the past few years, because that was probably five years ago that that experience happened for me. It's also driven some of my behavior in terms of like, I used to love telling people that I was a therapist because there's some sort of like, you know, oh, I bet he knows something or, or something. And so I just started challenging myself to not say that, you know, not like bring it up, not say that I own a practice or something like that. Just try to not put myself forward as much because it wasn't serving me the way that I wanted to. It wasn't actually creating intimacy. Well, and it sounds like in that you were kind of leaning more into that value of humility, right? That value of like, can I, I think of humility as just connecting on even ground. And so when you, this is interesting, when you started reverse engineering it, you also start bringing more values onto the playing field and kind of looking at like, okay, so I value intimacy when I share something in a compelling way that allows for a feeling of connection with other people or for other people. You didn't name this, but I was also thinking of just the value of knowledge. Like I really value knowledge and quality education. And so if I want that to be shared with other people, delivering it in a compelling way is probably going to serve that value versus just kind of like reading the results of a research report. 
And then also considering intimacy, people do want to feel equitable with one another. It starts to feel bad if either of us are feeling in like a one up or one down position. And so considering that humility piece too of like, what is really driving the way that I'm showing up here? Can I challenge myself in certain ways to really make sure that I'm anchored to that value of intimacy and connection versus like puffing up an image? You guys are illustrating my point so well, which I love. So thank you for that. But it's it's this really this opportunity, I think, with values work to get to know ourselves and increase that self-awareness piece. And, and that curiosity is such an important part of it, right? So when I react in a certain way or something really triggers me, that reverse engineering, like you said, Lauren, is an opportunity for us to really understand the why behind the reaction, right? And so for mine, um, a value that I have learned about myself is justice. The way that I learned it, though, is this constant, like, instant almost trigger in situations where there was injustice, where I then feel really protective of other people, right? So I'm seeing myself react in this way where I'm like getting very almost ragey, right? When when certain things are coming up where there's not fairness or somebody's treated horribly and, and really then trying to understand like what is going on in my body, right? Why is this happening? And then being curious around, well, what value could that be connected to? And then where did I learn that thing, right? Why is justice so infor- important to me? And knowing that value then helps me in future situations where there might be a trigger that comes up, right? I might be in a situation where I'm having a hard conversation and I know something justice related is going to potentially get triggered, then I can kind of be aware and self-regulate in ways that I maybe wouldn't have previously been prepared for. And again, kind of just making that point of the values really help us to be self-aware and then to change behaviors that we wouldn't have been able to do if we didn't have that awareness. Totally. I'm also wondering what each of you guys think about this idea of like, where did I learn that? So when we do start to clarify what are my values, are we discovering values that have always been there? Are we choosing values off of a list? Like, where do you guys think that our values are actually originating from? To more directly answer that question, do we discover our values? I would say no. We do not discover them. So the image that's coming to my mind is like being on an archaeological dig and finding some sort of artifact and being like, what is this? And like brushing it off and kind of uncovering all the dirt and being like, what is this? It's something I want to figure out what it is versus I think our values, it's more like a slab of marble. And it's like, I'm going to create something out of this. What do I want it to be? Like there's just this block of marble and I've got a chisel and I get to decide what this is going to be. So when I think of the values construction process, one of the analogies or images that I draw from is that my wife and I remodeled this house about two years ago. And there's this one room in there that's a great room. It's got a huge picture window. I've had multiple people say, this is a great Christmas tree room. And it is a great Christmas tree room. There's a fireplace in there. And the way that the last people who lived there had it set up was they had a big TV above the fireplace a big sectional in there, you know, built-in speakers. I think it was very much set up for like, it, it was like a good Super Bowl like watch room. room. It's like an entertainment room. And they mm-hmm. had teenagers. So the, you know, I'm picturing like their teenage boy having like video game nights there or something. And we walked in there and uh, I remember they said like, do you want us to leave the TV mount? And we were like, no, don't leave the TV mount. 
we see this room as like a, a little bit different. Like we we set up the room for conversation, dim lighting. We have a record player in there because we're hipsters, and <laughs> we pictured like good conversation, sipping wine, sipping coffee, retreat, reading. And I'll ask people this question. It's like, okay, so who made the right choice about the room? It's like, well, nobody did. Like each family had it set up for the way that they wanted to live our life. And so the question walking in there wasn't really, what should this room be? Mm. It is, what do I want this room to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're even naming like, what do I want this room to be based on the values that are most important to me in this season of my life? What would you say when you described, you know, we wanted it to be more dim lighting and more conversational? Like, what would you say was the value that drove that choice for you guys? Retreat. Mm-hmm. Retreat, recovery. We gave the room a nickname. We called it the no technology room. It's amazing. Yeah. I haven't been great at following that rule because <laughs> it's such a great room. I want to go in there and I'll take uh-huh. my iPad in there. And Well, and that's a goal, right? It's a goal to not use technology, yeah, right, whereas right. the value of retreat and rest and recovery. We also record all of our videos for membership in that room. Uh-huh. And that seems really mm. backwards because it's like so technology driven. set up. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So that value of retreat we're trying to really kind of get to the core of this. Like where do our values originate and what's the process for that, right? So where does that come from for you? I think it always starts off for people with that question of what should I value? I think that's for the most part, like where we start. And ultimately the work is getting out of that mindset of asking myself, like, what should I value? Like what's the right answer here? A little more into like, actually, what what do I want this to be? Yeah, what I really like about that culture is that when we talk about boundary work or individuation work, so that idea that what it's like to be me is separate from what it's like to be someone else, when people are asking that question, what should I value? What is the right answer here? It's very based on some external measure, right? What should I value based on what my parents think or based on what the pastor says or based on what this group of peers is doing or how they would react to something versus what I hear you describing is this process of really looking inward first. What is it that I want? What actually feels important to me? And I think like even on that point, that's a part of that process is really thinking about when I identify a value, where did that come from? Is that something that was modeled for me? Is that something that I heard? Is that something that I lived without and therefore I knew that I really wanted in my life? And and I think it, it, there can even be some overlap there, right? This was modeled for me and therefore I want to keep it because it felt really important and helpful. Mm-hmm. Or this was modeled for me and I don't align with that and therefore I'm going to exchange this value for something else that feels a lot more uh, meaningful for me now in my life. And I think it would be helpful maybe if we can identify some of those values that we know were modeled for us and that transition of how we either exchange them or kept them. Do you guys have, does anything come to mind for you? If I want to get deeper into the analogy, I'm thinking of if we just go off of what was modeled for us, what we should do, that would be like walking into the fireplace room and just being like, okay, TV goes mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where the mount is. Yeah. Because yeah. that's where the mount is. And you know, the the great room should always have a TV in it. By the way, we're not one of those like no TV families or something. Like we got a TV. It's just in a different, <laughs> in a different room. room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it would just be like, you know, yep, TV goes there. 
Like, why? It's like, because that's where it goes. Like, we that's where we would have had our TV when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I, when I try to kind of personalize that for myself, I think one of the things maybe modeled for me growing up or that was kind of like a rule in my environment growing up is that to be good is to perform well, right? Like to get good grades and to use manners and to practice, you know, I played an instrument, so to practice regularly and like be dedicated to what you do. And I think when we're younger too, our brains are so much more concrete. Like it's hard to, you know, I named this value of flexibility earlier. It's hard to bring in flexibility when we're younger. And so it's, I'm thinking about like, okay, if I walk into the room and the TV mount is there and it's like the TV should just go here. Maybe thinking back to my experience growing up, it's like if I walk into a room, the rule is just that things need to be high achievement. Like things need to always be straight A's and first chair and use your manners and make sure that the adults around you are like, wow, like you have such a good kid, you know? (laughs) And when I then look at that as an adult, I think about, okay, like I do still value high quality. And sometimes I value things like rest, which is going to be contrary to high achievement in every case. And sometimes I value things like intimacy. And as it turns out, if you walk around being perfectionistic about all things, uh, not everybody feels close to you and, Mm -hmm. and wants to have that kind of intimacy with you. And so bringing some of the flexibility in, like I'm thinking of if that's my room, I might, I even like how you said, like I might be like, okay, this TV is actually going to go in a different room. Like I still value having a TV. I still value being good at things and giving a lot of energy to things being high quality. But now I'm bringing in this flexibility that I also want a place for rest. Lauren, that's such a good point. And it's making me think about you know, not only just like from a, a, I don't know if you were referencing, like from a family of origin standpoint, but also even just from a cultural standpoint as women in America, oftentimes we are given values that if we're not really paying attention to them can really rule our lives, right? I'm thinking about like the body image work that a lot of us are trying to deconstruct now and the values behind that are attraction or beauty. And if we're, you know, it's everywhere, right? We just are ingesting that through commercials, through through TVs, through all kinds of media. And um, if we're not really paying attention to that, that can be a value that we inherit in a way. But we don't necessarily, if we really look at that, I don't know that a lot of us actually are valuing that. It's like we're told or taught to value that. And that self-awareness piece is so key in order for us to then take a step back and decide what is it here that I, do I really value this or is this just something that was given to me? I think this is also where we start to see values intersect with emotions because when we have values that were given to us through culture, right, whether that's the greater culture that we have around us in our community, in our family, in our media, a lot of times there's a really strong connection to fear. Like if I don't match this external value, there's a fear that I won't be met with connection. There's a fear that I will be judged or I'll be criticized or I won't have as much access to opportunity as other people. And so, you know, if you look at something like a value of 
beauty, you know, which is so subjective to begin with, when it comes to things like body image, a lot of times what I really notice is it's not really a value of beauty that I'm pursuing. Um, It's a value of I want to be liked. I want to have access to friends and to partners. So it's and, like inclusion. Yeah, or or just accessibility to some of our basic needs, you know? And so I think when we look at how emotion plays a role in values, that also gets really significant. I just started kind of talking about fear, but I also think of when I teach on anger and guilt, like those are two emotions that have really strong values drives. Like anger is what we feel when there's a value that's being violated kind of externally. Like if I'm sitting in traffic. It's and, that piece of justice that Kayla's yeah, talking about. Yeah, exactly. It's an driven like, value. Yeah, if I'm sitting in traffic and the light turns green and the car in front of me doesn't go, there's this sense that like you're not following the rules of the road, right? We're all supposed to be paying attention. So that could be my value. I also could have the value of timeliness. Like I'm trying to get somewhere on time and you're slowing me down by not paying attention. And so we can even start noticing when certain emotions come up, what are the values really going on underneath that, right? And then like guilt in contrast is more an internal values assessment. We feel guilt when one of our behaviors has really transgressed one of our own values. It's kind of interesting because if it's not really my value, I'm not going to feel guilt about it. Or if it's not something that's been like wired in, I'm not going to feel guilt about it. That's really important. And so if I do feel guilt, that really is the question there is like, what is the thing that I value that I've transgressed here? And then it's also important to ask like, what is the thing that I value that got prioritized in whatever it was that I did, right? If I lied to somebody and I value honesty, I feel guilty, but why did I lie? Maybe it's because I value safety or I value not being judged. And so that even kind of goes a layer deeper. I value like avoiding discomfort. Mm -hmm. That makes me think of why we need to have a broad set of values. And sometimes we get to a place where we choose values that we may not necessarily want to choose, but we can't afford to not choose them. And so sometimes when I do this values work, I will get people who bring back a lot of values of like, just what you were saying, efficiency, achievement. Um, It's like, you know, seven of their values will be that. And I'll say, where's rest Mm -hmm. on here? And they're like, I feel guilty if I, if I do that. And that's something to kind of work through is like, you have to have something on here. Like you have to recognize that you're a finite being and that you run out of energy at some point. And so you have to add that on there, but that, especially in our achievement culture in America, Mm -hmm. no one wants to be lazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it starts to seep into that kind of sense of self-identity piece. We're now coming back to that like reactivity-led place. I'm not really choosing like what are the values that are driving the direction I want to be going in here as much as like I'm running away from something that I don't want to feel and that I'm not prioritizing values that actually are things I probably really need. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like we're we're saying that there are different values that show up in different seasons of our lives and that maybe there's some flexibility in the amount of values that we have and and which ones kind of pop up when. And I it just makes me feel curious because I'm sure there are listeners that are like trying to ingest all this information and are wondering how many values should we try to focus on in a given time just to try to like simplify it maybe a little bit. So again, I'm popping that over to you, Coulter, because I'm leaning on you to be our our values expert in this area. I would say 10 is a good number. 
it's funny because as I did my values inventory this year, I feel like I was really pushing myself to get to 10 and I couldn't. I ended up with nine. Um, and I'm like, that's okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with nine. Yeah. Very flexible. (laughs) (laughs) And human too. (laughs) Yeah. But I I just think of how sometimes not all of our values are equally available to us. So let's go back to the cardinal direction analogy. So I think of coming to our office and needing to get off on the 51 on Deshaies and go east. What if the exit's closed? It's like, I need to go east. That's the value. I want to go in that direction Mm -hmm. and I can't go there. I have to go further north. And then maybe like all the exits are closed. And like, I need to get off and I need to go west. Like I need to go in the opposite direction, but that's just all that is available to me right now. And so I think of one time that that specifically happened, there's probably, everybody's going to have a story like this, but my wife and I decided, we made a goal to go out of the country every year before we had kids. So year one, we went to Italy. Year two, we went to France. Year three was going to be the last year we were going to go to Costa Rica. We had a trip planned to Costa Rica, April 7th to April 11th of 2020. Mm -hmm. Do you think that trip happened? (laughs) (laughs) I know it did not. (laughs) It 100% did not happen. And so that value wasn't available to us, you know, that value of of adventure. And so, and, and then shortly after that, my wife got pregnant and guess what? I've been out of the country since. And that value of adventure, which has always been such a big value of mine, you know, I always want like more stamps on my passport. Like, guess what? That that value doesn't make the list anymore because it's not available to me. It's available in some small ways. You know, it looks a little bit different. And a lot of people are, you know, really into traveling with their kids and still would be going to Europe. That's just not the season of life we feel like we're in. That doesn't quite work for us. And it's like, I'll reconnect with that value another time. There's a lot of other values that are like one of the values that made my list last year was play. Mm-hmm. because I have a two-year-old and he's a boy and wants to wrestle as soon as I get home every day. And so it's like, I want to see myself like on the ground, like playing versus six years ago, I didn't really play all that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to actually go back to what you had just said about adventure and again, highlight the difference between a value and a goal, right? Because the goal was I we want to go out of the country every year and that meets our value for adventure. And then when 2020 hits and COVID's here, now the goal is taken off the table. But if we have some flexibility in the ways that we get that value met, Right? I think that that is sort of the point that you're making here, that what is adventure and how do I live that value? Traveling to different countries might be one way, but when the block comes up, like COVID, then we have to decide, are there other ways that I can get the value of adventure met for myself in the middle of a pandemic? I totally agree with that. Yes, there is like, a, okay, there's other ways to achieve this value. But I would also say sometimes there's not. Sometimes you don't get to have that value. Like I think of, you know, I had a session years ago and someone was talking about being recently divorced and starting to date again. And they were like, I just really miss that value of partnership. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's not available right yeah. now. Like you're not going to get that because every time you'd go on a new date or something, it's yes. like, 
oh, I don't have that same sort of like I'm journeying through life with that person. So guess what? Like you don't get that right now, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So what can then filter in? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. And so uh-huh. I was like, well, what is available to you? Yeah. Like newness is available, like ad- adventure and excitement, like the excitement that comes with a new relationship. Like new relationships are really fun. Sometimes. But that, yeah. <laughs> but like that idea of like camaraderie and having a partner, yeah. you don't get that in the first three months of dating somebody. And then guess what? 15 years into, into marriage, you don't necessarily get the one of like newness mm-hmm. and excitement. Well, and the thing that's important to track as we're talking about all the kind of ups and downs through different seasons and accessibility to certain resources is that it doesn't mean we don't still value that thing, right? Like just because I don't have the resources available to have that partnership that has the depth that I really am craving doesn't mean that I'm not still going to like use that value as my north when I'm on dates, right? Because I am going to be looking for, is this person somebody who I want to keep investing time and energy in toward that value of partnership? Yeah, you get to work towards the value, but this is also why I just think it's so important to have a broad set of values that yeah, if you and to have keep like reassessing like the ranking of them. Right. And and just to to keep going to like, all right, well, you know, I don't get to do that. So what is available yeah. to me. And we might go through really hard times. Like I'm thinking back to 2020 and and a lot of people's values being, you know, pushed down. And that got really hard. That got really depressing. Like, you know, when you think about the connection being a value for so many people and just like so much disconnection, you're like, okay, well, what can I do? Like, I'm going to read some more. I'm going to go on some more walks. And then eventually like June, July hit in Arizona and you're like, that's hot as hell. And just like, this just sucks. And so, but you know, and in a non-COVID life where more values are accessible to us, we just have to look at, all right, well, like, well, what else can I do right now? And that's why I think recovery has been a really important value to me because like, I love being active and I love going on hikes and working out and playing golf. And then, but what about when my body gives out? You know, what about when my body's just telling me like, we need to stop it. But now with that value of rest and recovery, I get to enjoy that value. I get to say like, ah, I'm doing it. I'm in my sweatpants. I'm, I'm laying down. I'm sitting by the fire. I'm reading a book. Like I'm doing it. I'm getting to live into my values because my values are broad. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, I think, to your point of trying to, to create a list of 10 or nine uh, values. It <laughs> nine help- or 10 are the only numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it helps us to rotate through because like you're saying, you know, that could change day to day, week to week, month to month. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything could come in and, you know, get in the way of a value that maybe we're trying to practice. And then that allows us to, okay, well, let me choose something else from the list and put that one a little bit higher up today. Yeah. Well, in the values course too, part of the homework is doing a quarterly assessment of that, like giving yourself a grade on each one and just seeing like, what do I think about that? And like, that's okay if you give yourself, you know, a four out of 10 on one or a one out of 10, because you might look at it and say like, that wasn't really that available to me. Like I'm about to have a newborn. And so I'm sure there's like plenty of values that I'm going to get a one or a two on, but that's going to be totally okay. And so I think you assess them every quarter and then you reevaluate the whole thing every year. That's the, the system that I would give to people. Every quarter, go through those 10 values, assess how you did with them, continue to try to live into them for a year. And then next year, reassess the values and see what makes the list. 
I'm just going to name one more time how emotions then kind of tie into this because I do think it's so important what you're describing, Coulter, is that there are going to be times, whether that's like a week that I'm sick and I have to readjust that I'm prioritizing rest and recovery or whether it's a season of maybe my partner and I have little kids and so there's not as much adventure and mystery and eroticism as what we've experienced in a different season. Oh and so I think I think knowing that that it's okay to grieve that in a yeah. certain season, that it's okay to say, I do still value those things and it makes sense given the context so that that's not the priority right now and that this is temporary, that it's not forever. I get to reassess my values the next quarter and the next year and I'm going to see them continue to fluctuate. Yeah, and y- you didn't mention this per se, but I love how you talk about in the Gift of Emotions video about how guilt tells us we transgressed a value, but we usually protected another value. And we've had these conversations about people trying to avoid guilt-based emotions. Like, I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to have to feel guilty. And the truth is, like, sometimes we we have to feel guilty, and that's that's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, and I think that comes back even to, like, the decision-making. I see a lot of times people will really struggle to make a values-based decision because it does require us to, you know, prioritize one value over another one that we really don't want to have to say no to, right? Like if a friend asks me for help with something and I really do need to prioritize rest or family time or something like that, I am still going to feel guilty that I can't do this other thing. And if I can't tolerate the feelings of guilt, then I'm going to get myself into sticky situations a lot by saying yes to things that I need to be saying no to. Yeah, it's like the difference between feeling good and being good at feeling. (laughs) Mm, I like that. So what is one thing that people can do in order to put some of this into action? I'll say mine first. And I think mine is something I already talked about, but I'm just going to reiterate. And that's when I'm feeling really triggered, because this is most of my work in therapy, when I'm feeling really triggered to be able to take a breath and be curious about what value might be involved in the reason that I'm feeling really activated right now. One of my favorite ways to assess values is to ask a couple questions and then kind of do that reverse engineering process. So the questions I'm going to throw out are, what is something I really like about myself? What is something I don't like very much about myself? And who is somebody in my life that I really admire? And then looking at the answers to those three things, kind of trying to discern what are the values that are really important to me based on what I really admire in someone else, what I I really like about myself, even Mm -hmm. what I really struggle with about myself. Love it. Those are some good prompts. Mine is just to take the values course. To take the values course, get your top 10 values, define what those mean, give examples of what they look like in your life and see what it does for you. So it's just on our website, thrivetherapyphx.com on the client portal. Like I said, that course is free just because I think it's it's valuable work for people. And to go back to the vignette at the beginning, we have to have something that we're working towards. We're not going to work towards the absence of something. Mm-hmm. We have to work towards something. What does a values-driven life look like for you? All right, well, that wraps up our conversation on values. And if you haven't set out some values for the year, I would really encourage you to do so. We're just a few weeks into the year. And guess what? If you're listening to this in June or something like that, 
you can still do this. This is part of the reason that I love values work is because we can always kind of look at the season that's ahead of us and ask ourselves, you know, what values do I want to be engaging in? My wife and I are expecting in just a couple of months. And so as I look at that next season where I'm gonna be not sleeping a lot, taking care of a toddler and a newborn, I'm gonna think about what are the values that I want to be engaging in for this next season. It doesn't necessarily need to be the core values that I always come back to. We're always in these different seasons of life. And so I would really encourage you to check out the values course on thrivetherapyphx.com. You just go into the client portal, create your free login. It takes about five seconds and that values course is free because we want for anybody to be able to do it. So join us next week when we will be talking about your relationship to your therapist.